Good morning, clerks. Welcome back to another episode of The Clerk Commute. Hi there. Today we'll be going through an approach to headache and family medicine. I'm one of your hosts, Lauren, and my co-host, Brendan, will be acting as a CC3 on their family medicine rotation, who will be seeing Connor, a 41-year-old man, presenting today with debilitating headaches. Today's episode was edited by Dr. Gray Noonan, a staff physician. Thanks, Lauren. Let's get right into it. Headache is not only one of the most common presenting complaints to the family medicine office, but it is also a complaint that can be severely debilitating for the person experiencing it. When I approach headaches, I typically divide my differential into two major categories. First, primary headaches, for example, migraines and tension type headaches, and then secondary headaches, which are headaches that are happening because of a pathological process where headache is a presenting symptom of that process. Examples of a secondary headache would be stroke or tumor. Although both primary and secondary headaches can be severe and painful, it is important to distinguish between them because secondary headaches can lead to death or permanent neurological damage and warrant further investigation. Great, Brendan, I use the same approach. Briefly, my differential diagnosis for a primary headache is migraine, tension type headache, cluster headaches, and medication overuse headaches. My differential diagnosis for secondary headaches include hypertensive emergencies, subarachnoid hemorrhage, intracerebral hemorrhage, acute ischemic stroke, hematoma, ruptured intracranial aneurysm, infections, for example, meningitis, encephalitis, tumor, giant cell arteritis, angle closure glaucoma, and carbon monoxide poisoning and others. For sure, that's a great differential, Lauren. And really quickly, I'm just going to define what some of the primary headaches are and how they are different. A cluster headache is a severe unilateral supraorbital or temporal pain headache, which has at least one associated symptoms like lacrimation, nasal congestion, or rhinorrhea. And it is called a cluster headache because they occur in clusters or attacks and have also been referred to as suicide headaches because they are so bad. Tension type headaches are pressure or tightening type headaches that are often bilateral without nausea or vomiting and only one or more, one or none of photophobia or phonophobia. Unlike migraines, tension types headaches are not aggravated by routine activity. For migraines, I like to use the mnemonic pound, which stands for pulsatile one day duration, unilateral location nausea or vomiting, and disabling intensity. Migraines are more than two of unilateral, pulsating or throbbing in quality, moderate to severe intensity, and aggravated by routine activity, as well as one of either nausea and vomiting or photophobia and phonophobia. Exactly. The majority of patients presenting to family medicine office have a primary headache. And most of those headaches are migraine. All right, let's get started with the case. Connor is a 41-year-old man who has been seeing your staff as a family physician since he was 15. He was diagnosed with migraines in his 20s during exam season and undergrad. He is currently being managed with over-the-counter analgesics and hasn't been in clinic over the last few years. He has no other past medical history. Awesome. So although I need to differentiate between primary and secondary headaches by asking about red flags, I will start my headache history by getting a general idea of what is going on. 
I would start by going over the OPQRST for the headaches. So number one, when and how did these headaches first start? Specifically, do these headaches come on suddenly or gradually? Two, where is the pain? For example, the front of the head, the back of the head, is it unilateral or bilateral? Three, what does the pain feel like for you? Is it a throbbing, squeezing, pressure sensation, etc.? Four, how severe is the headache? How much pain is it causing you? And five, I want to know more about the timing. Like how long is this headache lasting? Yeah, so why don't I go through a few of those in some more detail and why they're important and how we can use to differentiate between different headaches. So onset is important for two reasons. Firstly, sudden onset headaches are a red flag, and we'll discuss this later on. We want to know when these headaches first started because some headaches start um, during specific times in people's lives. For example, migraines can characteristically begin during puberty for women. And also, this allows us to get a better idea of whether this is a new onset headache that is getting serious or something that has gotten progressively worse over time. Asking about where the pain is is an important part. As mentioned, the three most common primary headaches are migraine, tension type headaches, and cluster headaches. Migraines are unilateral. 70% of the time, whereas tension type headaches are, are always um, almost always bilateral. Cluster headaches are unilateral and start around the eye or the temple. Using the same, same three examples, we can talk about why the quality of the headache is important. Tension type headaches are typically described as a pressure or tightening, whereas migraines are described, as we mentioned, as a pulsatile, pulsatile or throbbing headache. Cluster headaches are often described as deep, continuous, or explosive headaches. In terms of timing, we can use this again to differentiate between the different primary headaches. Migraines, for example, last between four and 72 hours. Hence, if a person's headache characteristically lasts less than four hours, this would change your thinking. Cluster headaches can be as short as 15 minutes, whereas tension type headaches commonly last between 30 minutes and seven days. You also wanna ask about timing during the day. Morning headaches associated with nausea and vomiting may be related to increased intracranial pressure like a tumor. All right, back to the case. For Connor, he explains that he has had migraines for, the, for many years and he has been treating them with Tylenol and Advil. He started a new job about eight months ago and the migraines have happened more frequently, so he started taking more medication. Now, the headaches are so bad and none of his meds that he takes helps. The headache is unilateral like always and it is throbbing type headache. It is more severe than in the past. Okay, thanks Lauren for that overview and that important information. I'm going to continue asking some more questions about the headaches. I want to know if he is having any associated symptoms. For example, as mentioned earlier, cluster headaches are commonly associated with one of lacrimation or rhinitis. I want to also ask about nausea and vomiting because this is a common symptom for migraine, but can also be a concerning feature for increased intracranial pressure, which we will discuss more about later on in the episode. Finally, I want to ask about whether he is sensitive to sound, meaning phonophobia, or sensitive to light, mean, also known as photophobia. I'm going to ask these questions regardless of Connor's previous diagnosis of migraine because I want to get an idea of Connor's associated symptoms now as it is important to remember that multiple primary headache types can happen at the same time in the same patient. Yeah, those are all great thoughts. Connor says he has both photophobia and phonophobia, but does not have any nausea, vomiting, lacrimation, rhinitis, or any other symptoms that he notices. All right. 
Well, then next I'll want to get an idea of what triggers these headaches, what provokes the headaches, and what are the alleviating factors. Part of this line of questioning helps us better diagnose the headache. For example, migraines characteristically get worse with activity. This line of questioning also helps us to make recommendations about modifiable risk factors for better headache hygiene. An example here would be if stress makes the headache worse, a recommendation might be strategies to reduce stress. We will get to this further when we discuss red flags, but pay attention to whether this person says that the headache is worse with sneezing, straining, or bending over, which might imply increased intracranial pressure. You also want to know how bad the headache is. Part of the diagnostic criteria of migraine is disabling, whereas tension headaches are typically not disabling. Therefore, you want to ask if the patient has had to leave work or school, etc. Yeah, you have a really good outline for your headaches. So for Connor, he says that his headache is worse with stress and gets better when he lies down and turns off the light. He mentions that red wine has always triggered his headaches and he avoids red wine. He also says Tylenol used to help with the headache, but now does nothing anymore. Also, I really don't want you to forget to be asking about neurologic symptoms. Neurologic symptoms can be double vision, dizziness, gait imbalances, numbness, tingling, or weakness. We will talk about specifics when we talk about red flags. But for now, Brendan, why might it be important to ask someone who is presenting with symptoms that sound like a migraine about neurologic symptoms? Oh, oops, I totally forgot, Lauren. Yes, I will ask about other neurological symptoms during my red flags, but for Connor, I will want to ask whether he has experienced any transient changes in his vision during his headaches. What I am getting at here is an aura, which is a common visual prodrome that typically happens for some patients before the onset of their migraine. Exactly. And when discussing transient visual defects, we want to think about three main diagnoses, migraine aura, TIA or transient ischemic attack, and an occipital lobe seizure. Migraine aura symptoms have a progressive onset, which is different from TIA and seizure, which happens suddenly. In TIA, there is a loss of vision, whereas in occipital seizure, there is positive visual defects, meaning almost always these defects are colored and often in circular patterns. Aura can be both positive and negative, but it typically flashes a bright light, zigzag or jagged lines, and small bright dots. Aura is long and lasts five to 60 minutes, whereas seizures last less than one to two minutes, and TIA can last minutes to hours. To summarize, if someone is presenting with a transient neurologic symptoms, you want to ask about onset, type of visual symptoms, and the duration to help you better distinguish between migraine aura, TIA, or occipital lobe seizure. That's all great info, Lauren. As well, I want to ask about medication for headaches, as it is an important thing to discuss. There are a variety of pharmacologic options for headache treatment, including over-the-counter options like acetaminophen or Tylenol, NSAIDs, and prescription options like triptans. You want to ask about one, whether they work for the patient, two, how much they're taking, and three, how often they are taking these medications. And lastly, you wanna ask them whether they take these medications at the start of their headache. Yes, taking medications at the start of the onset of a headache is a key part of headache hygiene. This stops the headache before central sensitization starts to take over and the pain becomes uncontrollable. In addition, the amount of these medications is important because they might be accidentally inducing a type of headache called medication overuse headache, or commonly referred to as MOH for short. Connor, as mentioned, takes Advil Tylenol about 20 days of the month. 
He knows to take them early in the headache, but recently the medication seems to be making the headache worse. All right, thanks for this information. Next, I will ask about past medical history, social history, and family history. Past medical history can be relevant because they can be associated with certain forms of secondary headaches. One example would be if someone previously had breast cancer and is now presenting with a new onset headache, we might be worried about metastases to the brain. Or if someone is hypercoagulable, we may be more worried about stroke. Also, you should ask about medications as mentioned for headache specific reasons and in particular if you are talking to a patient who is likely experiencing migraines with aura and are on the birth control pill you may want to consider discontinuing the type of birth control pill as migraines with aura can be a contraindication to uh, birth control containing estrogen social history is relevant for a few reasons here firstly this part of the history might give you an idea about how debilitating the headache is for example, if this person reports having to miss social gatherings they previously enjoyed, then this would be a good opportunity for counseling and empathy. Also, certain habits can contribute to headaches. For example, being hungover or dehydrated, having a poor sleep-wake schedule, skipping meals, particularly breakfast, low levels of physical activity, and high levels of stress. Talking about these parts of the social history might also remind the patient which of these activities triggers worse headaches and may be a part of your management plan. Great idea. I will let you know more about Connor's habits when we talk about management. For now, let's get into differentiating between primary and secondary headaches. Let's start talking about the red flags. All right, as mentioned previously, it's vital to differentiate between primary headaches and secondary headaches. For this, I use the SNOOP mnemonic with three Ps. So to begin, the S stands for systemic symptoms or risk factors. And these include asking about fever, weight loss, pregnancy, HIV infection, and cancer. The N stands for neurological symptoms, and you should ask about confusion, impaired level of consciousness, or any motor changes. The O stands for onset. You're interested if the onset was sudden, abrupt, or occurred over a period of a split seconds. These would include things like thunderclap headaches or the worst headaches of the person's life. The second O stands for older. So you wanna know if this is a new, headache, if this is the onset of a progressive headache, or if this is a change in the person's headache, especially if they're over the age of 50 years old. The first P stands for pattern change. Is this the first time they have a headache like this, or is this a change from the previous headache history? And the last P stands for, sorry, the second P stands for a positional headache. Does the headache change with position? And lastly, the third P stands for if the headache is precipitated by a cough or valsalva maneuver. Awesome, so why would you ask about each of these questions? Okay, so we ask about systemic symptoms or risk factors because systemic symptoms will lead us to believe that there is something going on outside of the headache, for example, cancer. And risk factors can draw us to different diagnoses, for example, neck manipulation or trauma associated with carot carotid artery dissection, which causes unilateral neck pain and headache. Pregnancy and the postpartum period is important because there is in, this increases someone's risk for thromboembolism, which increases the risk for a thromboembolic event like cerebral venous thrombosis and may be a sign of preeclampsia. We ask about onset because we want to figure out if this is a thunderclap headache. A thunderclap headache means it reaches maximum intensity in less than one minute. The most common cause of thunderclap headache are subarachnoid hemorrhages 
and reversible cerebral vasoconstrictions, also known as RCVS. Subarachnoid hemorrhage is when the blood vessels within the subarachnoid space rupture is most commonly secondary to an anterior aneurysm or head trauma. RCVS is a syndrome in which cerebral arteries undergo diffuse segmental vasoconstriction that resolves within three months. Risk factors include female gender, peri-postpartum period, use of vasoactive or sympathonomatic drugs, and a history of migraine, and presents as recurrent thunderclap headaches. When asking about older, we focus on age over 50. This makes us worried about secondary headaches because patient Patients over the age of 50 are at a higher risk of giant cell arteritis and other serious headaches, uh, such as headaches caused by neoplasms or tumor. Some of the associated symptoms of giant cell arteritis to keep in mind include jaw claudication, scalp tenderness, weight loss, and fever. When talking about neurologic symptoms, it's important to remember that many secondary headaches have neurological effects, including subarachnoid hemorrhage, which can cause focal neurological deficits and sometimes a loss of consciousness, or carotid artery dissection, which presents with Horner syndrome. Also, there's idiopathic intracranial hypertension, which can be accompanied by transient visual changes. Both positional headaches and headaches brought on by sneezing or Valsalva can mean increased intracranial pressure. Idiopathic intracranial hypertension is a syndrome in which elevated intracranial pressure is elevated without an identifiable cause, most commonly in women who are obese or overweight or taking specific medications. These patients often present with headaches that is worse when lying down or when they perform the Valsalva maneuver or cough. Associated symptoms such as nausea and vomiting can also mean increased intracranial pressure. Finally, when we ask about the last P, pattern, we're asking about this because this alerts us to something else going on. For example, a progressive headache could indicate a neoplasm. All right, thank you so much. That was a great explanation of the red flags for headache. For our case, Connor has no red flags apart from a change in pattern of his headache as he's already mentioned. Would you wanna run imaging on him because there is a red flag? I would probably mention to my staff this red flag, but it doesn't seem like Connor has a secondary headache. Imaging and headaches, for example, a CT or MRI scan, or investigations like a lumbar puncture can be extremely useful for secondary headaches. However, they should not be used if you can safely rule out secondary headaches on history, which I feel confident we have already done for Connor today. All right, that sounds good. And what about a physical exam? Absolutely. So I would want, would want to look at his general appearness and wellness. As well, I would want to do a full neurologic exam, including fundoscopy to look for papilla edema, which is a swollen optic disc from increased intracranial pressure. If there were any neurological findings or disc swelling, this would fall into the red flag category. If I was worried about meningitis, I would also perform special maneuvers to determine whether there is meningeal irritation. All right. So what do you think that is going on with Connor? Yeah, so I'm actually thinking Connor is experiencing migraine with comorbid medication overuse headache. Yeah, great work, Brendan. Bingo. So what is a medication overuse headache? A medication overuse headache is a headache that is present on greater than 15 days of the month with regular medication overuse and that the headache has developed or markedly worsened during medication use. So what classifies medication overuse? We like to think of this as opioids or triptans on greater than 10 days of the month or simple analgesics like NSAIDs or Tylenol on greater than 15 days of the month. Thanks, Lauren. So just out of curiosity, I know we see patients who, for example, take ibuprofen daily for back pain. 
are they at risk of medication overuse headaches versus someone who takes Tylenol every day for their headaches? Yeah, that's a great question, Brendan. So people who use Tylenol every day for something other than headache are less likely to develop medication overuse headache, but it's still possible. Okay, let's go over the main treatment for headaches so we can help get Connor sorted out to end off our episode. All right, the main treatment for medication overuse headache in this case is to stop the overused medication. Although the headache for medication overuse headache might acutely worsen when you pull back on the medication, they do eventually get better. If the acute worsening is anticipated to be very bad, you can bridge them with long-acting NSAIDs or start a prophylactic medication. In addition, when you're treating headache, it's important to counsel about good headache hygiene. This includes regular sleep-wake hours, good hydration, not skipping meals, eating a high-protein breakfast, limiting caffeine to two or fewer drinks per day, exercise, and then mindfulness or medications for stress, depending on stress levels and identifying and avoiding triggers. Awesome. Thanks, Lauren. All right, everyone. That's all for today. And remember to follow the clerk commute on Twitter for updates on when our new episodes will be out and to stay relevant with the podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye.